Lord, open our hearts and minds to You. Guide us by Your Holy Spirit and grant us wisdom and understanding that as the Scriptures are read and Your Word proclaimed, may we be filled with joy at what You say to us this day. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading is from the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord is a controversy with His people, and He will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? And what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now that King Balak and Moab devised what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? What shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Our reading continues in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you and people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we continue in our series on following God, we look at what it means to choose the good. And we cannot help but to reject the evil when we choose the good. And interestingly, when we look at what is good, it brings us back to some of the ideas that we talked about last week about selflessness. Micah gives us a rather clear picture of what it is God expects. However, it comes with a bit of a shock for some, because in it, Micah basically says, you could offer everything you have and it wouldn't be enough. And it's going to be harder for people to hear in Micah's time because they would be used to burnt offerings being the thing that reunites them to God. Making an offering is the thing that reconnects you and you're not well with God if you haven't made your offering. But Micah has seen what this does to people. And Micah rejects it for the same reason that Jesus was overturning the tables of the money changers and the tables of the people selling doves. Because the idea quickly became that you could buy forgiveness. 
that instead of turning from your ways, you could simply just pay them off. That it didn't matter if you were doing things right, as long as you could make the sacrifices, you could keep doing things wrong and you'd be okay because you could afford it. Micah sees what's happened with people trying to make sacrifices greater and greater. But if a thousand rams and ten thousand rivers of oil won't do it, then what will? Micah's answer is simple. Choose the good. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Do these things, and they'll be greater than any sacrifice anybody could ever make. And it seems simple. But it really isn't. Because part of it means that when you choose those, it means that you reject the opposite. Because the thing is that it's a call to action. The sacrifices, the only action had to be you had to show up with things that you needed to offer up. This is something that's going to require a much different sacrifice. If you're going to see these three, you have to sacrifice your time, your talents, your efforts, your energies. You have to sacrifice selfishness. Because the thing is, is that sacrifices often led to people thinking that they were doing something that earned them a spot. You make the sacrifice, it puts you right with God, and now you're owed something. The thing is that that's not how God works. The moment you think God owes you something is the moment that God will remind you that doing the basic that you are asked to do is not something that's going to get you a big recognition. Asking you to be a decent human being is not something that means that God now owes you something just because you completed the bare minimum. But interestingly, we see Micah's ideas echoed by Christ. It isn't blessed are the people who can make right sacrifices. It isn't blessed are the people who can pay the most into the church coffers. It's not blessed are those who can afford to offer up the right things to God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Suddenly what you could offer up didn't matter if you weren't offering up justice. If you weren't offering up kindness and peace. And if you weren't doing it for God. And it means that to do good, Micah rejected the law. Because it was the law that said you had to bring sacrifices. It was the law that said that you had to have all the right things. 
And the problem was that people misunderstood it and people abused it to the point that it became meaningless. Because what good is it if you offer up a thousand rams if you cannot do one good thing for a neighbor? And it's difficult because it takes it out of our hands. With an offering like that, you could say, well, I know I'm not right with God, but here's a calf. I'm now okay with God. I can go back to doing everything. But the thing is, is that when we talk about repentance, it's an action. It's not just a speech, it's a doing. Because it means stopping the thing that you're doing over here that got you in trouble and turning completely the opposite direction and doing something to make up for that. To do good instead of evil. To choose what's right instead of whatever it was you were doing before. And it means making that shift and making that change. And it means giving up on selfish ideals. Because it's not selfishness that causes you to help a neighbor. It's not selfishness that causes you to be kind. It's not selfishness that causes you to walk humbly with God. Because if it is, you're doing all of them not to follow God, but to get yourself something. And if you're doing it all to get yourself something then you're not serving God at all. But you're serving yourself. It means you haven't chosen what's good, you've chosen what's good for you. And that's not always so good. The thing is, is that when all we do is think about ourselves, we lose sight of the bigger picture. We lose sight of building community. We lose sight of helping others. We lose sight of God. And sometimes we're too afraid to do anything. And we think maybe if we just don't do anything that we'll be okay because then we're not doing good, but we're not doing bad either. So we're just kind of hanging out in the middle. But the problem is, is that you have a choice. There's no in-between. You're either choosing to do the best you can and to do good, or you're choosing to not do good. Now, whether that is going out and doing the opposite or just doing nothing, in the end, they're the same. Because in the end, they're not doing what God requires. You might think, well, I may not love my neighbor, but I don't hate my neighbor, so I've got to be at least somewhere in there. But if you don't love your neighbor, you're not doing what God asked. An even harder one, one that might get you placed in the category of blessed are you and people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account is doing the unthinkable nowadays of loving your enemy. We might think it's enough not to hate our enemies, but if we can't go all the way and love, then we aren't following God and we aren't choosing what's good. 
Because it poisons our hearts. The moment we are unwilling to act on what God has asked of us, it causes us to stray further and further away. And the problem is that we think that the further away we get, we think that if we, all we have to do is say, God, I need you to be here, and that God will keep coming to where we are. Now, God can always reach us, but God is always going to call us back and say, Hey, I need you back over here. I need you doing what I ask. I need you to love kindness. I need you to love your neighbor as yourself. I need you to love man. I need you to do it by seeking justice. By being the peacemakers. And sometimes we're just too afraid to act at all. We're afraid of what people will say. That if we suggest mercy and kindness to our enemies, that we must be cowards. That we must be on their side. And it's because people can't understand loving somebody for a reason that isn't selfish. Loving an enemy does not mean that you agree with them. It doesn't even mean that you have to like anything they do. It simply means that you regard them as a human being just like you that has faults and flaws that without love cannot be saved. It's the reason we love our neighbors. Because like us, they are people with faults and flaws and without love, they cannot be saved. And it's the reason that we need God's love. Because we are people with faults and flaws and without God's love, we cannot be saved. And if we can recognize it in ourselves, then we can recognize it in our neighbors. And if we can recognize it in our neighbors, we can recognize it in our enemies. And if we can recognize it in them, we can recognize it wherever we go, and we can seek justice for all. Not just for those who agree with us, not just for those who are on our side, but we can seek justice for every person. Because we do not make peace simply by only agreeing with those who agree with us. We make peace by finding a way that we can all live together in love and unity. And blessed are the peacemakers. We try to make up all sorts of rules and all sorts of things that we have to go by so that we can try to convolute the system that God has in place. But over and over again, God reminds us that it's not nearly as complicated as we like to make it. We might try to figure out how many doves and how many rams and how many bowls of grain and how many rivers of oil we're going to need. But what God asks is something much simpler but much harder to do. Care. Care about somebody who's not you. Care about something that doesn't impact you at all. Care about somebody else's plight. Care about somebody else's suffering. Care about somebody else 
that will have no impact on your life other than the fact that you learned how to care. Because it brings you closer to God. Because when we show people how we can care, we show them how God loves them. And they recognize that love through us. Christ called disciples, and those disciples called disciples, and those disciples called disciples. And it wasn't just that Jesus went out and did all the work by Himself. He called people to call people to call people. And that's where we are today. Not showing people that we have enough money. Not showing people that we make the right sacrifices. Not showing people that we say the right words and figured out the magic phrases to make God love us. But that we go out and we love because we're loved. And do we really need more than that? It won't be easy. Because often it means the sacrifices made are something greater than we are ready to give up right away. It means we give up time that we might have spent on something else. It means that we spend money on something that isn't going to benefit us personally. It means that we take the time to listen to someone else's problems. That we open our hearts that we care about someone outside of ourselves. But it reminds us that God put us here together that we can support each other. That if we can't lift somebody else up out of the darkness when we are in the light, how can we expect anyone to lift us up when the darkness surrounds us? That we are in this together. That we find peace when we do it together. That if we all hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will find righteousness. That if we all come together, there will be nobody left to persecute us. And when there is nobody left to persecute because all are equal in God's eyes and all are peaceful in God's eyes, then we will be living in God's kingdom. Even here on this earth. But it requires us to choose what is good, to reject what is evil, And to love others the way God has loved us. To show kindness to others the way God has shown kindness to us. To walk humbly with our God. With grace and mercy and strength. With love and forgiveness. That we build a better tomorrow by living a better today. And we do it by following God and choosing the good. Amen.